Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Her new book, The New Rules of Green Marketing, is has been named one of the top 40 sustainability books by the University of Cambridge. Her name's Jackie Ottman, and I am thrilled to have her on the show. Jackie, welcome to Go Green Radio. I'm delighted to be here, Jill. Thanks for having me on the show today. I'm excited. Well, I am too, and I have to say I really loved your book, and I want our listeners to get the opportunity to follow along with us. Folks, if you're listening on your computer, don't close this tab in your web browser. Keep listening to us on voiceamerica.com, but you could open a new tab in your web browser and go to www.greenmarketing.com. That's Jackie's website, and you can kind of follow along with us and see what a great resource that site is, and I know that by the end of this interview, if not somewhere in between now and the end, you're going to want a copy of her book, and the great news is is that right now you can get it for 40% off, even cheaper than you can get it on Amazon, by going to her website, greenmarketing.com, and checking out that special discount. Well, Jacqueline, let's begin at the beginning. Let's have you give our listeners an overview of what green marketing is. What's the definition of green marketing? And maybe you could also tell us what green marketing is not. Sure, be happy to. Well, quite simply, green marketing is about communicating the environmental benefits of your product or and or your company. And like all marketing, it's also about what you need to do to make your product or company greener. Now, what it's not is it's not a, sell, a silver bullet for selling more products. Just because so many people are interested in green these days, just be, and you know by putting on a, uh, a a green message or a green logo on your product don't, doesn't mean that it will sell uh, quickly. Uh, you really need to know what motivates specific consumers about the environment. Not everybody is interested in the same thing. There are so many different kinds of environmental issues and different levels of education about how environmental issues affect products and the product's impact on the environment. And it could backfire if you're not authentic. So mm-hmm. there's some rules of the road, and that's what I try to describe in the book, The New Rules of Green Marketing. Well, and we're going to go into specific detail about some of the great points that you make uh, in your book. But one of the things I want our listeners to know, and, and as my listeners know, I have read a lot of books and I've interviewed a lot of authors on this show. One of the things I love about Jackie's book, folks, is that it doesn't just talk about uh, how to make your product seem green. She goes into specific detail about how to actually be green, be sustainable as a company, whether you're a small company, a Fortune 500 company, or somewhere in between. And that's why I love that that one word that you said, Jackie, authentic. And and your book really gives some great examples of how a company can do that. Now, I, you know, you've been doing this since long long before green was so cool and so mainstream. How did you get into this to begin with? Well, I got into it a little serendipitously. Um, I started out my career in advertising agencies and worked mostly on consumer packaged goods and became aware of the impacts of certain products um, over the years. For example, when I was working on Shure Antiperspirant, which was then owned by Procter & Gamble, 
the uh, Montreal Protocol um, uh, was signed by many, many countries around the world, and so the deodorants had to get out of um, CFCs for the mm-hmm. propellants for the aerosols that we all grew up with and then move into eventually uh, the solids. And I also remember as a teenager watching the news at night and seeing the news reports about the phosphates in the laundry detergents and how that was creating a lot of problems with um, uh, uh, the water pollution and the foam. Remember the foam bubbling oh, up yeah. in, the, in the pictures on the streams and, and uh, rivers and things. So I guess I had this awareness, and then when I was um, in the uh, late 80s, asked to do some research on a theme or a trend that was going to be hot for consumer goods marketers in the 90s as part of a really an advertising agency new business program, I picked the environment and as something that was in my background and um, that as a baby boomer who had gone to the first Earth Day and the spring of, of 1970, something that I could relate to and really be passionate about and uh, research well. Wow. Were you ever a pioneer? Because that was, I mean, back in the 90s, you know, maybe people were talking about recycling. But honestly, I mean, I I could, I was a young mom at that time. And I mean, we really didn't have the same kind of education and and access to information on all the things that moms do now that influence their purchasing. You know, we didn't think about BPA and baby bottles. We had no idea. So you were really a pioneer. You know, since you've been involved in green marketing from the giddy-up, how have you seen it change in the past five years? It seems to me that just in the past half a decade, it has been it has become so mainstream. What what changes have you perceived? That's the big change is it has become mainstream. It just went from niche to mainstream seemingly overnight. Uh, now, of course, I've been tracking it for the past uh, 20 years. But, you know, I think the Toyota Prius had a lot to do with it where they, uh, and it's very symbolic of how uh, green has changed. In the old days, you went to a health food store and you bought laundry detergent that was dealing with the phosphate, so they were more natural laundry detergents, and they didn't work. We had an energy (laughs) crisis when I was in college in the late 70s, and that prompted certain energy-efficient technologies like compact fluorescent light bulbs, but they sputtered and they cast a green haze and you didn't really look so healthy um, (laughs) in that kind of light, if you remember that. So basically what happened with the Toyota Prius, and again, it's symbolic as well as um, um, kind of transformational in terms of of, uh, society's reaction, and that is that it was a product that worked. It worked so well that their initial advertising didn't really talk so much about how green the car was, but the superior performance evidenced by the quiet ride of of the car itself. And the car actually looked good, and and by for many consumers, it's a status purchase. They want the car in the driveway, right? And um, part of their marketing, as you'll recall, was that they got Hollywood celebrities driving up to the Academy Awards in Toyota Priuses rather than limos. So they really, you know, one big marketing campaign like that proved, I think, to a lot of other worldwide multinational companies that this was something that um, 
was was ready to be addressed from a mainstream consumer standpoint, and that there were certain guidelines about uh, having products that worked, making it cool, making it look good. Um, that was a little bit of a formula that they could follow for success. In fact, they have some statistics in the book that show um, that the green market is estimated was last estimated by a group called the Natural Marketing Institute. I have a lot of their research wonderful research in, in the book, um, they estimated that the green market is about $290 billion. Now, that's just the wow. consumer market. It's not um, a B2B or commercial marketplace. It's not federal purchasing. It's just the consumer market. So that's a pretty big size. And also part of what's been changing is because you have the consumers who are interested, the consumers are buying products, and it's, it's getting to be you know, pretty attractive numbers, you have a lot of the big companies now getting involved. Mm-hmm. And um, you have, and I po- point this out in the book, a lot of big companies like Estee Lauder buying deep green companies like Aveda or Colgate bought Toms of Maine in the last few years. Unilever acquired Ben & Jerry's. Dannon mm-hmm. owns Stonyfield Farm in large parts. So... There's, and, of course, Walmart and a lot of the big uh, retailers are, are getting involved in this and Target. So it's really become a mainstream phenomenon, and that's what the book is about, is saying and, and showing the proof that green is mainstream and then saying the mainstream green consumer has a very different orientation towards green than that deep green consumer whom the Natural Marketing Institute people call the low-hoss consumer, if you're familiar with that term, I bet you are, Jill. Yep, lifestyles of health and sustainability. sustainability. You got it. So (laughs) they're willing to make sacrifices for green. They're willing to pay a premium for green. Um, They're a little more upscale, too, and educated. But the mainstream consumer isn't um, willing to make those sacrifices. Uh, So, again, the onus is on the major companies to come out with products that work as well as the alternatives, and they're attractive to look at. And um, uh, the good news is, 20 years later now, a lot of those products have their uh, technologies and their designs improved to the, sta- to the point where they are acceptable to the mainstream. Well, and, you know, it's become one of those things that... Um, Consumers have really driven one other piece that I, you know, I have noticed, and that is that green products can't be fully successful unless they also compete on price. And they don't have to be exactly the same price, but pretty doggone close. And that's something that I've been seeing even on the shelves of grocery, you know, store uh, shelves where you see uh, green cleaning products or, you know, like you said, you know, phosphate-free laundry detergent, things like that. Especially in this economy, consumers are demanding not only quality and environmentally, you know, sustainable business practices, but price as well. And I think a lot of companies are, are beginning to see that that's an important component of their green marketing as well. What are you seeing there on, on those kinds of issues? Well, when I, I think you're right on price is very important and it couldn't be more important in the current environment. Um, uh, no pun intended, a uh, recession. Um, in mm-hmm. all cate- categories. Now, the good news about green is that many green products offer superior value 
And so they can command a premium price. For example, organic produce commands a premium price for two reasons. One, it's looked at as a kind of a bit of an insurance policy for your health because Mm -hmm. it doesn't have the pesticides. And secondly, all those gourmets out there, you know, we have a whole foodie revolution going Mm -hmm. on separate from the green revolution, buy organically grown produce because it actually tastes better. And they're going to upscale restaurants. This is also part of the mainstreaming of green. They're going to upscale restaurants, and they're finding that the chefs are preferring organically grown produce. And a similar dynamic is happening in cleaning products or anything that historically has used a lot of toxic chemicals. And that is we're seeing that some um, moms, mostly moms with small children, are willing to pay a little extra for cleaning products and even pet care products, personal Mm -hmm. care products, cosmetics that don't have the harsh chemicals in them. I think you're right, Jackie, and uh, I'm one of those moms. <laughs> yes, I'll tell you what, folks, yes. we've got so much more to cover. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, folks. So glad that you could join us. Today, our guest is Jackie Ottman, author of the new book, The New Rules of Green Marketing. You've got to check out her website because there's just a bunch of great resources that you'll find if you're interested in marketing because you have a business or if you're just interested in learning about how other businesses are succeeding based on Jackie's consulting group and her recommendations. You can also get a sweet discount on her new book if you go to her website, greenmarketing.com. Because it was named one of the top 40 sustainability books by the University of Cambridge, if you go on her website, you can get a 40% discount on the book. It's cheaper than ordering it from Amazon at this point, and I know you're going to love it. Jackie, one of the things that I mentioned during the first segment that I really, really like about your book is it's not just a book about how to market your company as though you are green. You give some very specific ways for companies to actually be green before they start marketing themselves as green. And you have a whole segment on eco-innovations. Talk to us about this concept and give us some detail on that. Sure. Uh, the concept of eco-innovation is so important, Jill. I gave a whole chapter to it, and um, it's it's really one of the reasons why I started my business was to uh, 22 years ago was to help businesses uh, uh, develop the next generation of consumer products, and that's what eco-innovation is about. So eco-innovation is about innovating around. This is a kind of a little bit of a technical definition around the function of a product. So, for example, if you, and this is in the book, if you look at a toothbrush, okay, so and you want to, quote-unquote, green up your toothbrush, what would you do? You might make it recyclable or made out of recycled content, or you might reduce the packaging so only the head of the toothbrush is packaged, or um, you might make the head replaceable, okay? Uh, so why do you, you know, throw out the stem each time, the handle? But what eco-innovation says is, how do we perform the same function of a toothbrush but without the toothbrush at all? So when I actually facilitated an actual um, new product assignment with uh, the, the Philips people over in Eindhoven years ago, Eindhoven in the Netherlands, um, we came up with a concept called an edible chewing gum laced with enzymes. So that's a different way of getting your, to- your teeth brushed, quote-unquote brushed, without the use of a brush. And when you use a, uh, a chewing gum uh, rather than a toothbrush, what happens? You don't, have, you don't need the toothpaste and you don't need the water and you don't need the box that the toothpaste comes in and all the packaging. So yeah. uh, it's about innovating around the function. So now the, the idea I used was really more hypothetical. The edible chewing gum didn't come to market. Uh, that's why I can talk about it. But there's other good examples of eco-innovation around there. So, for example, uh, there's been a lot of energy put behind reducing the packaging that laundry detergents come in. And, um, and this is really great to see these concentrated ultra products come to the market. However, there's a product that I love that's discussed in the book called Drops, D 
D-R-O-P-P-S. And you can find them, but viewers can, listeners can read, find it on the Internet, too. And basically what Drops is, have you seen Drops, Jill? These I little, haven't, no. Yeah, pouches of laundry detergent that just fit in the palm of your hand, maybe the size of a quarter or something around, and about 25 of them come in a collapsible stand-up pouch. Well, you would need 192 of these pouches to get close to the plastic that's in a big old Tide jug. Okay. Wow. And the pouch itself is dissolvable in the laundry tub. So wow. here's an idea where you're using the same idea of uh, concept of a laundry detergent, but you're serving it up in a radically different way. Mm-hmm. And then eco-innovation can be taken one step further. So, for example, this might, are you sitting down, Jill? I think you're sitting down. So <laughs> actually, and there is on the, examples on the market of, of fabrics that allow clothes not to get dirty in the first place. Oh, yes. <laughs> Good thing I was sitting down. I have three kids. You've and got a long it, son, a lot less laundry in that instance. <laughs> so basically what we need to do is we need to make the current products that are on the shelves in the supermarket and in our cupboards, et cetera, greener, but we also need to innovate in order to really, really reduce the environmental impacts of our lifestyles. Mm-hmm. So this another is example for is a is car sharing. I bet you a lot of your listeners know about car sharing, uh, like mm-hmm. Zipcar, Zipcar, where sure. you can um, uh, buy. It's kind of like a timeshare idea for cars, where you don't have to own a car. You can just uh, subscribe to a membership service, and then you have access to all the cars that are in the car sharing service. So, again, the idea is we all need personal transportation, but we don't need to actually own a vehicle. So car sharing represents a totally new way to meet your need for transportation without necessarily owning a car. So there's some really exciting examples of eco-innovation. One of them, which is um, not even marketed as an eco-innovation and may not even have been uh, inspired by green is the iPod. Do you remember years and years ago how people, um, there was so much controversy about the jewel cases on the CDs? Well, oh, an iPod yeah. is really a very green product because it doesn't, you don't need all those CDs and you don't need the jewel cases. And mm-hmm. because it has so many wonderful benefits to consumers of convenience and portability and mixing and matching the songs whenever you want them, um, doesn't even have to be marketed as green. So that's what eco-innovation is. Well, and it's really brilliant. And you see companies in all different sectors kind of toying with the same idea. Like, for instance, when you see oil companies investing in solar, you know, they've decided, okay, really our function is we're an energy company. And so, you know, we've got to look at a variety of ways that's going to be palatable to both our investors and our consumers to deliver what we really are supposed to be delivering, which is energy to the customers. And so I think you're going to see a lot of companies doing exactly that, looking at, bottom line, what is the service we provide to consumers? And you talk about that in the book, too, thinking of it as less a product and more a service. Expand on that a little bit, too. Sure. Um Well, you know, when you think about it, consumers don't really need to 
own products. They just need the service that the product provides. Mm -hmm. Now, I live in a cooperative apartment building here in New York City, and I recently bought a new vacuum cleaner, an Electrolux vacuum cleaner, and it cost me about $895. And I only use that vacuum cleaner, if the truth be told, once every other week for about 20 minutes. So it, it, it struck me that maybe there's an opportunity to actually share that vacuum cleaner with my neighbors. And now that's not happening in reality, but around the country and around the world, there are sharing services that are happening in other sectors. For example, in Paris, there's a bicycle sharing service where you... Um, there are bicycles in different locations all throughout Paris, and whenever you need a bicycle, you you put in your pass and you 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 uh, uh, check one out, and then you drop it off at the other location. So going back to my my uh, vacuum cleaner service, I'm going to predict in about fifteen or twenty years that luxury apartment buildings will come with a utility closet on the hallway that may have a vacuum cleaner in it uh, and other things like the espresso maker, the popcorn popper, the fondue pot. I've really given this a lot of thought. Maybe I should go into this business. Uh, <laughs> for all those things that people don't use um, on, a, on, a, on a frequent basis and that don't necessarily have to own. Um, in the book, when I talk about uh, sharing, I also talk about the... Um, the value that the Internet is bringing us in this regard. And mm-hmm. I know that um, uh, there are opportunities now to um, have new business models for books. Of course, Amazon is a, a great example of that. They're facilitating the resale of books. eBay, in many ways, is a very green company because they're facilitating the reuse, the extended a life of a lot of products that could potentially be thrown away or, you know, not really get into the hands of a of an owner that really, really wants that new product. You know, speaking of, of sharing and things like, you know, that, that, that would appeal to some segments of consumers more than, than others, you know, one of the things that a lot of consumers are asking for is the ability to be able to decipher how green a product is based on it's labeling. And I'm wondering what you would recommend to your clients as a way of expressing, if, if there were an opportunity for, for clients uh, to put a label, much like a nutrition label, on their packaging to express to consumers, this is how we measure how green we are and therefore you should prefer us. What kinds of things would you recommend they measure for such a label if that should ever come to fruition? Sure, sure. Well, some labels are actually trying to do that job right now. Uh, some of your listeners might be interested to, uh, might be familiar with Timberland's green index label that comes on every uh, box of shoes that they mm-hmm. make. Hewlett Packard has an Eco Highlights label on each of their printers, and the labels, uh, uh, detail information as to whether it's how energy efficient the printer is. In other words, if they've received the Energy Star logo, which actually was one of our uh, clients for a long time. They also talk about whether the uh, printers are recyclable or how much recycled content is in them. And one of the more innovative eco-labels right now is 
comes from Levi's. Have you seen the mm-hmm. Levi's Care for the Planet tag? Yeah, I like that. They have instructions on how to clean the your jeans because heating up the hot water for um, the in the laundry takes up so much energy that over the course of, you know, your jeans last a long time. Well, I think a lot of consumers would be pretty shocked to find out how much energy it took to um, clean those jeans. So now they have this Care for the Planet tag. Now, each of these three labels that I just mentioned are really leaders in terms of disclosing information about uh, the products and the company's uh, environmental of platforms behind uh, the products. However, I, uh, the EPA has a new uh, label that's like a car sticker, an updated version of the sticker for cars that talks about fuel economy and environment. Now, that label, I bet you some of your, your listeners will be familiar with this, has a um, information like you'd expect on miles per gallon for each of the cars, but also they have a smog index and a greenhouse gas index. Now, that information is what you would expect from a label, uh, but I'm not so sure that consumers really would understand what a smog index was or what a green um, house gas index was, and if they got a score of 7.0 or something, I guess they would think that that's better than a 6 and a 5 and a 4, and obviously not as good as 9 or 10, but they really wouldn't understand what that really meant, a smog index. However, what I think is beautiful about that new um, EPA fuel economy and environment label is that it provides very a relevant information to consumers about how much money they can save as a result of the specific fuel economy data that they're given there. Brilliant. So uh, the labels will say, here's how much money, $1,895 that you can uh, save over the course of, of, of five years by driving this car, you know, in comparison to the average car, And it will say, here's how much you can expect to pay in fuel this year. And so that's a number that you can walk around the showroom and compare with all the other cars. And it's a number that consumers can readily understand. Yep, it sure is. Saving green and going green. That's what a lot of consumers want to get to the bottom line. Folks, we've got to take a quick commercial break, but there's so much more great information coming from the green marketing guru, Jackie Ottman. So don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. 
Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Hey, welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could be here with us today because our guest is really enlightening us on some of the ins and outs of what we can expect, what's already going on, but what we can expect out of companies who are going to strive to, to market themselves as green, but by doing this in an authentic and transparent way. Jackie Ottman is our guest, and she's the author of The New Rules of Green Marketing. Check out her website. You can actually get a great discount on her book. The website is www.greenmarketing.com. And I know you're going to love what you see there. This book is just um, amazing. And if you're a small business owner, medium or large size business owner, I truly recommend that you get a hold of this because Jackie gives us some insights into the most important thing every business owner must consider and that is the mind of the consumer and she's got a lot of great data and research to show what's going on when it comes to sustainability issues, performance issues, all these things that today's consumers are concerned with and how companies can demonstrate that they meet those needs of the consumers. Before the break, we were talking about you know, some of the companies that are already toying around with sustainability labeling that will make uh, consumers aware of some of the things that a company is doing to be sustainable. But Jackie, you've got some great insight as to how those labels might be able to be improved over time to be even more relevant to the consumer. Talk to us about that. Right. Well, um, as we were talking about um, there b- before the break, uh, the EPA has a new fuel economy sticker that they um, are now requiring for cars. And in addition to uh, conventional and what you'd expect information about miles per gallon and a smog rating and greenhouse gas rating, they actually require the manufacturers to estimate how much money consumers would save by 
using uh, a more fuel-efficient car, th- that particular model, over, let's say, five-year uh, 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 span, and how much it would cost them to run the car in uh, for fuel costs over uh, on an annual basis. So I think that there are a number of leading labels out there, like the one, the Timberland Green Index or Eco Highlights from HP or Levi's Care for the Planet, that could be a, a made more relevant um, using uh, in a similar spirit. So, for example, with Timberland Shoes, I think it's really important that consumers know what kind of sustainability efforts are going inside on inside Timberland Company. But when you're standing in front of a pair of shoes at a, at a at a store, you might be more interested to know an, an environmental aspect like durability. How long will these shoes last? And if you're being expected to pay a premium for them, then that might actually be um, a really relevant uh, shopping criteria or whether Timbaland has a service where they'll rebuild the shoes to make them last longer. So durability is an environmental benefit that's relevant to consumers at the, at the point of sale. The same thing with with printers, it's really good to know that your printer has recycled content in it, um, but it might be more important to know just how energy efficient the printer was or whether it came with an instant off button to help you save energy or what is the estimated life of the printer. Same thing for the Levi's Care for the Planet instructions. Uh, it's great to know that, um, terrific to know that, uh, you know, if you washed your jeans in cold water, you'd save a lot of energy for the planet and save yourself some money. But maybe they could get more people uh, 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 caring for genes the right way if they underscored the fact that the genes would last longer and look good longer. So I'm just trying to encourage businesses to make their environmental claims as relevant as possible to to the consumer's and, you know, just remember that when consumers go into the store to shop, they're wearing a shopper hat. They've got to maximize their budget. And they have mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, motivations for buying something, whether it's status and looking good or protecting their children or, or providing them with good nutrition. So the best green marketing connects the environmental benefits with the benefits that are most relevant to shoppers. Well, and speaking of that, you know, we're kind of seeing – uh, two different themes playing out in a lot of green marketing. You see companies like Nissan using a polar bear, hugging the guy for, you know, buying a Nissan Leaf. You know, in other words, the message is you're doing something great for the planet. And then you see other companies using healthy little babies and children. And the theme is if you buy this, your children will thank you. So kind of emphasizing the human health impact. Um, what do you think is most effective, and, and how much longer can companies continue along those two lines before it's not fresh anymore and it's irrelevant? Sure, sure. Excellent, excellent question. Um, first of all, the kind of imagery you use in your ads is really a function of your target audience. Is it a deep green audience? Would they appreciate seeing the polar bears? Uh, is it an audience of moms who are trying to protect their children, in which case... Um, the, the kids are appropriate in in the ads. Now, I think what you're getting at is a a, a point in my book where I, I and I've kind of said this over and over again in a lot of my speeches and things is let's skip the cliched images of the, <laughs> what I call the planets, the babies, and the daisies. 
and it's really <laughs> yep. the, the point that I was making with the relative to the eco labels. And let's get to the benefits that consumers really want to know about when they buy a, a car. Now, I think it's very telling that Nissan came out with the polar bear ad, and it got some positive reviews, and it got some negative reviews that they were trying to, uh, you know, tug at our, our heartstrings here and kind of even be a little manipulative. Mm-hmm. So the latest ads, have you seen them where they talk about a new um, metric for cars, which is called miles per dollar traveled? Oh, I have not seen that. Right, and because the car is so fuel efficient, you don't have to buy a lot of expensive gasoline, so they're trying to tell you that you can travel quite far on your uh, on an electric charge, and it, overall it's going to be much cheaper than uh, gasoline. You know, I think it's telling that when Toyota Prius, as I kind of mentioned before, uh, came out, they they had some ads that were targeted to green consumers, but they really focused on the the quiet ride of the car itself. So that's well, a big was... message in the book is to focus on those primary benefits. Now, it doesn't mean that the consumers aren't interested in the green uh, messages. They are. They're just secondary, and you have to weave them in while reinforcing the primary things that the products are designed to do in the first place. Well, and I, I found it interesting, and this was several months ago. There was a study that came out that basically implied that guys who drive uh, energy-efficient vehicles are somehow more desirable to women than guys who are driving these gas-guzzling, you know, what used to be considered cool cars. And I saw a lot of play on that uh, on that article. And so, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to even go to that level uh, that somehow green is sexier or something, and and there's just a lot of room for companies, I think, to be more creative than than what we've seen Absolutely. recently. Yeah, Absolutely. and in your in your book, you also talk about companies promoting responsible consumption, kind of like the Levi's Care for the Planet. In a minute or so before we go to commercial, touch on that as well. Yeah, well, responsible consumption is about encouraging your consumers to use and dispose of the products responsibly. So I like to say it's not enough for Tom's of Maine to uh, make the to toothpaste uh, natural. Um, they really should be encouraging consumers to turn the water off when they brush. Same mm-hmm. thing with a Coke can. It can be recyclable, but it doesn't get in the recycling bill unless the consumers drop it in. So that's a new way that businesses can differentiate themselves and their green messages by encouraging that more responsible consumption once it gets into the hands of consumers and it's out of their direct control. Right. Yeah, I think that consumers are are appreciative. I mean, I know that nobody wants to be preached to, but at the same time, if if companies can help us figure out what to do with it when we're done with the with the product and make us feel good about that, um, that's a plus. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we return, much much more with the green marketing guru herself, Jackie Ottman. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
healing occurs from the inside out. To awaken and activate the body's healing mechanisms, your emotions and thought patterns must be addressed and aligned with your truth. These concepts are discussed in detail on The Light Within, Awakening the Inner Healer, with host Joan Jacobs. We'll introduce you to a new way to interpret and address your body's language of symptoms and how to turn disease into a platform of profound personal growth. Tune in to The Light Within every Monday at 10 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today's guest is Jackie Ottman, the author of a book I just love. It's called The New Rules of Green Marketing. You can get it on her website, greenmarketing.com, at a 40% discount. And the number 40 is very important because this book was named as one of the top 40 sustainability books by the University of Cambridge. And it's a phenomenal read. Jackie, I'm so glad that you could join us on Go Green Radio today. Delighted to be here. We're having a great time. Oh, well, I am too, and I, I only wish that we had more than just you know one hour to talk. But I, I really think that business owners of all sizes, whether you have a small business or a large business, are going to benefit from your book. At the end of each chapter, you have some really poignant and helpful checklists. And there's one question you suggested that companies ask themselves that seems very, very simple, but I think it's profound, especially as consumers begin to see more and more green marketing, become more and more savvy about how to compare products um, based on some of these sustainability indices. And this is the question you told companies to ask them. Themselves. How do our products, environmental and social impacts, compare to our competitors? Wow, I think there's a lot of power in that question. Talk to us about the importance of this concept. Sure, sure. Uh, well, it's important for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, green is about doing the right thing, but it's also about staying competitive and mm-hmm. ideally gaining a competitive advantage as a business. So if you understand how your products, environmental and social impacts, compare to your competitors, you'll know, A, if you are behind and need to play catch-up, and B, you'll know if perhaps you're already ahead, and that gives you a something important to talk about with your consumers and a potential competitive advantage in the marketplace. Um, We had the privilege of working with HSBC Bank on a green marketing campaign here in the States, and 
it all came about because the VP of Retail Marketing learned that HSBC was a global leader in the banking industry for carbon management, and then she realized that she had the basis for a very authentic green marketing campaign based on that company's track record. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, another great question that kind of parlays into the same concept that you recommend companies ask themselves is, what environmental improvements do we anticipate our competitors introducing, and are we prepared with a response? Can you give us some examples of companies who've really done a great job with this concept? Absolutely. Um, well, there are the green area, and it's related to eco-innovation, represents tremendous opportunities for innovation. In fact, that was the subtitle of my previous book, Green Marketing Opportunity for Innovation. And uh, we talked a little bit about drops before. Well, there's this product out there called G-Diapers, and that is a reusable diaper. It's a diaper that has a... Uh, uh, a terry cloth outer layer, and then an inside pant, and then this reusable um, uh, liner. Well, uh, a company like Procter and Gamble or Kimberly Clark needs to be constantly looking over their shoulder to see what innovations a lot of these green innovators are coming out with in order to stay to stay competitive. Mm-hmm. So they have well, to you know constantly be looking at. Um, uh, what else is 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 uh, you know what what new things are being introduced to the market that could make their products look antiquated and irrelevant by comparison? Well, and it's one of those things where I know, particularly in the in the whole baby care industry, uh, there's a lot of moms with tremendous guilt. You know, uh, they really don't want to wash out diapers the way their grandmothers did. I mean, you know, they they really don't want to spend that much time. But the, on the other hand. Um, you know, sending all these diapers to the landfill is not a great solution. And I love what you say. One of the pieces of advice you give your companies, which is solve a problem, alleviate guilt. Um, talk more about that because I think that's a powerful concept for companies to keep in mind um, as they market themselves to consumers in this predicament of uh, wanting convenience but feeling a little bit guilty about that. Sure, sure. Well, green is fundamentally about controlling a world that you perceive is out of control. So I established that early in the book. And people want to feel that they can make a difference, i.e., control their world. And relatedly, the more they know about the impacts of the products they use, the guiltier they feel. So green helps you, A, control your world, make a difference, and alleviate the guilt that you feel is you know is connected to the 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 impact that you're personally making. Mm-hmm. So it's a powerful so empowering motivator. consumers. Yeah, it's a powerful motivator. Yeah. Is trying to reduce that, re- alleviate that guilt. Well, and I frankly am fond of companies who make me feel like by you know being involved with their brand, whether that's buying or renting or what have you, that I'm actually making a difference, some kind of measurable difference. I love seeing companies say to me, the aggregate value of your patronage of our company was this benefit. And I think that's a really powerful way for companies to make consumers do exactly what you said, 
take some control in a world that seems so out of control. And I really feel like that's an effective strategy. Right. Now, we one call of the things that empowerment, that, yeah. by the way. That's right. called empowerment, is trying to empower your consumers. You can empower them with information. You can empower them with products. You can empower them with educational initiatives. You can empower them in a lot of different ways. One of the things that I know a lot of consumers and, of course, businesses are concerned with, when we talk about green marketing, there is a little bit of a flinch because some companies have tried it and gotten really burned by being accused of greenwashing. You have a lot to say about this in the book. How can companies avoid that label, that they were greenwashing, instead of you know, doing it right, being an authentic um, communicator of green benefits? How can, sure, they, sure. Green how can they ensure is a, that? It's a very, very important topic. And, you know, it's, 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 um, the, the fact of the matter is, is most greenwash is inadvertent. Uh, because of uh, the challenges of green and the fact that a lot of the people who are making the claims and doing the marketing don't have a lot of technical background. So I would say that one sure way to reduce greenwash is to the, uh, bring in your technical uh, advisors um, to make sure you have scientific evidence to support whatever environmental claims you're making. Um, if you ascribe to any of the green uh, eco-labels that are out there, uh, that's a good start because a lot of the eco-labels have very specific requirements for earning that label, so that's a good sign to consumers that someone isn't greenwashing because it takes a lot of time and resources on the part of a business to actually earn one of those eco-labels. And so the businesses should be looking for the most credible eco-labels with the very with stringent, stringent uh, compliance requirements. Right. And, and having those third-party uh, credibility checks, so to speak, is, is always a plus. And in your book, you do go through statistically what labels uh, consumers respond to most strongly, uh, Energy Star being one, USDA Organic being another. Um, folks, th- there's no way in one hour we could cover all of the wealth of knowledge that Jackie has lined out in her book. And that's why I really do encourage you to go to www.greenmarketing.com. Get a hold of this book, The New Rules of Green Marketing. It is a fantastic, reliable, um, research-laden book that I know will become your green marketing Bible. And uh, if you only caught part of this broadcast, don't worry, because we are syndicated on the Green Living Channel of Voice America. So uh, if you go to voiceamerica.com, click on the Green Living Channel, you can hear this broadcast next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon on the East Coast, and check it out again. Recommend it to your friends that you wish would have heard Jackie today. Jackie, thanks so much for joining us on Go Green Radio this week. Have a wonderful week. And uh, folks, we'll catch you same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.